Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? And wherever you are, we greatly appreciate you dialing us up on this Thursday, March the 2nd, the year 2023. Oh, man, the hoops. LSU had it. Let it squander. The Pels. What? How did they get that win? Alvin Kamara has a um, has a statement. And much, much more all coming your way. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite inside the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on and thrilled to be 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041 thegame.com. If you're in the Acadiana area, you can pop your television set on because we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Classic example of it's not how you start, man. It's how you finish LSU's men's basketball team led for 36 minutes of last night's home game against Missouri had at one point in time, a 19 point lead, but alas, poor York, it ended in similar fashion as it has all year long. The Tigers fall to Missouri 81 to 76. It's been that kind of a season LSU was terrific in the first half heck they were 12 for 12 from the free throw line uh took a 47 34 lead after 20 minutes that's a season high for the most points and a half by LSU as they led it 47 to 34 LSU came out of the locker room in a in a sleeping mode is all I can say Mizzou went on an 11 to 2 run Tied the game at 59. The game went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And LSU down the stretch made one of seven of their field goal attempts. And that was all she wrote. 16 turnovers as compared to seven for Missouri was quite the difference maker in this one. K.J. Williams led LSU with 24 points, 14 rebounds. Just That's just the way it is. Just the way it is. Those 16 turnovers led to a plus 18 in points off turnovers for Missouri. The road team gets it done. LSU's now 13 and 17 overall. They'll end up the regular season in Gainesville against Florida. And then they'll play in one of the early stages of the SEC tournament and uh, be done with things from there. Plain and simple. 
New Orleans Saints running back Alvin Kamara pleaded not guilty today to battery charges as he and three other men appeared in the Las Vegas courtroom for arraignment. Kamara, Cincinnati Bengals cornerback Chris Lamons, and two others were indicted in February by a grand jury in Clark County, Nevada, for their alleged roles in a 2022 beating of a man in Las Vegas prior to the Pro Bowl. All four were indicted on charges of conspiracy to commit battery and battery resulting in bodily harm. Uh, Kamara's trial date has been set for July 31st, which means there's a good chance that he will not be present when the Saints begin practice for the 2023 season. So stay tuned for that one. How about the New Orleans Pelicans going on the road, taking on the Portland Trailblazers, a team right on their tail feathers in the race for the playoffs in the Western Conference. <clears throat> and the Pels had a dynamic fourth quarter, outscoring Portland 31 to 19 to win by 11, 121 to 110. <clears throat> Excuse me, Brandon Ingram led the way with 40 points in 38 minutes. CJ McCullum finally had a good shooting night. Nine for 19, two for five from downtown, four for four from the stripe. He had 24. Jackson Hayes off the bench, 15 points in 16 minutes. Was terrific. And uh, in the first matchup between CJ McCullum and Dame Lillard as um, opponents in Portland, CJ gets the win. Lillard did his part with 41 points, 15 of 16 from the free throw line, but the Pels get the win. However, somehow, some way, the Lakers went to Oklahoma City without LeBron, without Anthony Davis. Uh, and they get a win. So right now, the Pels are tied with the Utah Jazz at 31-32 and 32 because of earlier meetings. Utah has the tiebreaker, so the Jazz are in ninth. The Pels are in 10th. The Los Angeles Lakers are on the outside, first team out. They are one game behind the Pelicans. Now, the Pels are a half a game out of eighth, one game out of seventh, a game and a half out of sixth. So we shall see. Next up, the Golden State Warriors, who are on a roll. They have won three in a row. The Warriors, without Steph Curry, are 32-30 and 30, and in fifth place in the Western Conference. It was the debut of Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns uh, to see how that was all going to work. The Suns come away with a win in Charlotte against the Hornets, 105-91. to 91. Durant, his normal, efficient self, played 27 minutes, was 10 of 15 from the field, 2 of 4 from downtown, had 23 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks. He was a plus 13 in the plus-minus category. Devin Booker led all scores with 37. Phoenix gets it right. I don't know who's going to beat him. I don't know how how you stop them. Uh, I just don't know. Uh, back to the SEC. Of course, LSU lost 81-76. Alabama trailed uh, by seven at the break, tied it up, sent it to overtime, and beat Auburn 92-85 last night to wrap up 
and clinched the regular season title of the SEC in overtime. Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, Brandon Miller, uh, 17 points. Justin Quinterly led the way with 24 for Alabama. And in a bit of an upset, it was um, a buzzer beater by Baton Rouge's Jordan Wright, who went to the Dunham School as he put in 23, hit the game winner to edge Kentucky. Vandy gets the win 68 to 66. So the regular season will end this Saturday, and then it's off to the uh, SEC tournament. Yes, indeed. SEC tournament. Um, LeBron is going to have uh, uh, has a tendon injury. He'll be checked in three weeks. How long can the can the Lakers survive with him in that uh, in that position? We shall see. Um, NFL Combine underway, still rolling along, and uh, you know, Derek Carr doing what he has to do, meeting with who he has to meet, and soon will hopefully make a decision so everybody can get in line and get in order. Uh, congratulations to LSU women's basketball signees, Michaela Williams and Alea Del Rosario. They both named Naismith High School All-Americans by the Atlanta Tip-Off Club. Williams from North Louisiana was named to the first team. Del Rosario was named to the second team. It's the number one ranked recruiting class in the country. Yes, indeed. Um, LSU's baseball team, a couple of days off, but tomorrow they'll have four games this weekend against Butler and Central Connecticut. The 15th-ranked LSU softball team will be at the Judy Garman Classic out in Fullerton, California, starting tomorrow and running through the 5th. So there you go. Our guest list today, Matthew Bruni, will join us, and we'll talk all about uh, LSU, basketball, baseball, football. We'll do it all with them. Chris Roseverglue will join us in hour number two. Uh, the Saints at the Combine, uh, you know, what, the, what their thoughts are. Dennis Allen met with the media, gave his thoughts on Derek Carr and why he likes him so much. Of course he will. And then Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports will be back with us on this Thursday to talk about uh, what his thoughts are on Aaron Rodgers, what his thoughts are on Lamar Jackson, what his thoughts are on Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, so, so forth and so on and on and on. It's all about the quarterback right now. And one domino will fall and the rest will quickly fall in place after that. But it seems to me that everybody's waiting on one Aaron Rodgers, plain and simple. All right. That's what's in store for you. We got a couple of uh, quarterbacks, speaking of quarterbacks, in our birthday wishes today. So let's sit back and relax. We're here for the next two hours from two till four o'clock. You can always reach us on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. Again, that's 706-0111. Matthew Bruni talking Tigers after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
You can win a VIP package for Michael's Men's Club Aerial Angels event on March the 8th by sending a simple text message. To score a table for four with bottle service and appetizers, simply join the Games Text Club by texting ANGELS, A-N-G-E-L-S, to 337-283-8100. That's ANGELS to 337-283-8100. Once you are a member, you'll be eligible to score tickets to see Michael's Men's Club Aerial Angels, courtesy of the Games Text Club. Also later today on Crunch Time, the fellas will have a call-in to win for two winners for a pair of tickets for the show. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, welcome back. We are broadcasting from the EPCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EPCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction he constructs all things lsu as he does a uh, tremendous job covering the tigers for bengal tiger on three.com he does podcasts he does a little bit of everything and we're thrilled to have uh, the young and talented matthew bruni join us yet again bruni what's happening buddy what's going on <laughs> hey man I'm, I'm doing great you know like you said staying busy between baseball and basketball and spring football starting up uh, next week so all yeah. systems go right now. So I got to get you for two segments today because we got a lot to talk about. Second verse, same as the first. Poor LSU basketball. One of their better games, one of their better starts at first half. The you know they they scored forty seven points. There were some games I was wondering if LSU would get to forty seven points. They had it at halftime. What happened? Yeah, like you said, they start the game eleven of fourteen from three, an absurd start. Parker Edwards. Uh, started the game and then comes and then hits two threes right off the bat and sets the tone and everyone just kind of fed off that for a while. Um, you know, Missouri was a step slow as some teams are when they play some of the lower teams in the conference. Uh, maybe not motivated, but, uh, yeah, LSU kind of let them back in the game to, to end the second half, goes into, uh, halftime up 13 and then Missouri just kind of started imposing themselves, attacked the rim a lot more, uh, turned up the defensive intensity, and those, uh, let's just say LSU did not shoot 11 of 15 in the second <laughs> half by any means. So, yeah, it wasn't super sustainable. Um, Missouri is a much better team and uh, just another disappointing loss. Yep, 81-76. LSU is, uh, what, 13 and 15, 17 now, guaranteed a uh, a losing record this year. I'm more concerned about the future. Um, I can't remember. You you follow this a lot more closely than I do. From a recruiting standpoint, uh, with who LSU is going to lose, um, whether it be through eligibility um, or the portal, what does LSU have look, to look forward to for next year? Yeah, I think the first thing um, people have to look forward to is the returning Freshman. I think those are the, the three big players that I'm going to be looking forward to seeing how they develop because they're all very, very talented. All of them were borderline top 100 players. Sean Phillips yeah. just outside of the top 100. But uh, you're looking at Tyrell Ward was a top 30 player in his class. Um, Jalen Reed was around the top 60, 70, and then Sean Phillips. So you have, 
I mean, Phillips at seven feet tall, I think we've seen glimpses of what he can do uh, around the rim, both on defense and offense, rebounds the ball really well, has good range, uh, obviously has a lot of polish in his game, but I like him as whether he's starting or not next year, just as a rotational five. And then Jalen Reed um, has a lot of skill. You can tell when he has the ball in his hand, he's comfortable, but just he's figuring out the physicality of the game and what it takes to win in college. It's really tough. And Tyrell Ward, who I think has been one of the great stories of the past month, really. Uh, he's shooting the ball really well. He's getting a lot more confident on offense. And I think he's someone who, uh, if he can refine his ability a bit and become a little bit more consistent, he's someone I'm excited about. So those three freshmen are the first ones. Um, and then they signed two players, uh, Corey Chess, who's from New Orleans, but plays up in Missouri at a prep school, uh, kind of a four-man who's, uh, four-star guy, pretty uh, talented. And then Mike Williams out of Maryland, another four-star player, uh, shooting guard. So uh, I think that's – I don't think they're going to add many more players as far as, you know, the upcoming class. So I think those are your young guys, and then you just go transfer portal from there and fill out the roster. K.J. Williams, is he done at this year? Is he going to go to the NBA? Is that his? Is that the plan yeah. there? Yeah, okay. K.J. Williams is done. Uh, that was his fifth year. Um Eligibility, so he played. He played all four years at Murray State, right. and then came over here with his COVID year. Um, and then uh, the rest are hit or miss. He only talked about uh, McMahon. Only talked about KJ Williams and Parker Edwards uh, as being like de- definitive seniors. I guess the others have choices between whether that's Trey Hannibal and Justice Hill. I would assume uh, Hannibal and Hill are not back next year, but that is my personal guess. Uh, both are seniors as well, but I don't know with the COVID year. They might still have a year of eligibility left, so um, I think they probably just need to move on, regardless. There's a few yeah. players Adam that probably Miller? need to move on. Adam Miller. <sighs> He's obviously has plenty of eligibility left. Um, yeah. I I think he probably comes back. Though it's been a tough year for him, obviously as a redshirt sophomore. Um, yeah. But I think he I think he believes that he's better than what he showed this year. And I think he'll probably, if I had to guess, I would guess that he comes back. Okay, that doesn't give me much, unless they strike it rich in the portal. Um, that doesn't excite me. I mean, does it excite you? No, the portal is, is everything. That is everything. And I've, I've mentioned it in a lot of articles and stuff. You look across the board in college basketball, uh, how the transfer portal has quickly rebuilt teams. I mean, Kansas yeah. State over there. Keontae Johnson and a bunch of those players are, you know, from the transfer portal. I look at Xavier, a guy named Sule Boom, who played at UTEP the past three years. He's over there having 16 points per game. I mean, uh, Alabama, Mark Sears, a guy from Ohio. I mean, they every team pretty much in the top 25 has one or two, yeah. maybe even three transfers and uh, that have made key impacts that are starting, that are putting up 15 a game for them. So I think that is that is the most important thing with Matt McMahon this offseason. You stick with these three freshmen. You bring in the two uh, incoming freshmen. Uh, you see who returns and who you need to kind of move on from. I wouldn't mind Miller and Fountain back probably, but, I mean, everybody else I think is pretty expendable, and you just go right. uh, go from there and and uh, just get five transfer portal players and say, all right, let's go. Hey, do, you, do you – I mean, I hope um, that Matt McMahon has – taken this year and learned what basketball in the SEC as compared to the OVC is all about. And I've got to believe that now he was going to set his sights on a certain 
type of player um, than what he's had. Yeah, I think uh, I, I always go back to Will Wade finding Tari Eason out of Cincinnati, right? Tari yeah. was obviously not the most polished player at Cincinnati, came off the bench. I mean, but you could tell he had tools to work with, and Will Wade kind of knew how to get the best out of him. That's what it takes at this level. you got to be able to find um, those players, and whether they're all-conference players or not at a smaller school, um, you got to be able to bring them here and be able to get the most out of them. That, I think this team is probably the least talented team in the conference, just wa- watching them throughout the season. Um, but still, I think there's plenty of blame for McMahon and the staff not getting the most out of a couple players as well. So it's a give and take. Um, I think he knows he needs more athleticism at the rim on both sides of the ball. That was a huge concern I had coming in with you know, KJ and Kendall Coleman and guys like that. Uh, so rim protection, uh, vertical threat on offense, and then a point guard. Man, this team just does not have a point guard. Justice Hill um, is the only true point guard, and obviously we've seen how much he struggles um, at times on offense. So, yeah, there's there's big needs there, and I think he understands you got to go get some some players. Even like an Xavier Pinson would have helped them a lot this year. No doubt, that's a great point. No doubt, uh, he needs size, man. He needs size, and he needs yep. shooters. He's got no shooters. Yep. Um, it's it's crazy. Um, I, I don't know how they – I'm sure they were good shooters when they were in high school because they wouldn't have gotten the college scholarships. But, boy, they had. They just can't shoot. Yeah. I mean, Adam Miller, obviously, is the most disappointing one. He starts the year first, whatever that was, seven, eight games, and lighting the world on fire, and then conference comes, and he's a 28% three-point shooter. Um, you know, some of that is because the offense just has been so choppy a lot of times. And, you know, as a shooter, it's easy when – it's a lot easier whenever – you are in the flow of an offense, and you, you no know, get a guy making the extra pass off a kick out, and so on and so forth. But still, it's uh, KJ, KJ Williams is the only one that's been a reliable three point shooter, and that's been a huge uh, surprise this year. <laughs> All right, let's do a quick timeout here. When we come back, we've got to touch on LSU baseball and um, a very important position, I believe, on the LSU football team that coming up this spring. Who's going to be the center? On this club, they've gone from this guy to that guy. And is is there going to be a competition there? We'll continue that conversation with Matthew Bruni after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlet. 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. Man, if you, if you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon's located in Lafayette, in Baton Rouge, and in Mandeville by the Louisiana Lottery. You just can't win until you start playing by D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted, and by Cajun Chef. Ah, it's crawfish season. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your hall for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 
Right, we're back 31 minutes after the hour. Thrilled to have Matthew Bruni, who covers LSU for Bengal Tiger on three uh, with us yet again. We talked to we talked LSU basketball. There's probably going to be two more games and then that misery is going to be over. We're just starting LSU baseball. I don't know what you're going to find out against a school that's known for basketball in Butler. And I didn't know Central Connecticut had baseball. So that's what awaits this weekend. But how significant was that win over Texas uh, in Austin on Tuesday? And what did you what did you learn about this LSU baseball team from that three zip win? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing was seeing Thatcher Hurd bounce back. Um, yeah. Obviously, his first outing against Southern uh, was was not the way that they wanted it to go. You know, Southern got off to a good start. Um, they had to pull him early. Uh, Jay Johnson talked after the game about, you know, it being his first game. With that kind of crowd and that kind of environment, they are going to need Thatcher Hurd to be probably a weekend starter for them this season um, if, if they're going to reach their potential just because he, he is such a talented arm for them. So seeing him bounce back um, and pitch the way he did against Texas for – Four, uh, four and two, uh, four innings pitched. Uh, I, I just thought he was really clean. And then Nate Ackenhouse comes in. Obviously, they shut out Texas. Texas is, um, doesn't have the bats this year. I mean, they're not a top 25 team, but they're still very, very talented, as we know Texas always is. Um, right. And even though they obviously were, were scoreless for eight innings, I think Gavin Dugas once again comes through. I mean, obviously the – three-run homer to win the game, I think that was big. I, I just, I really like the at-bats that they've taken this year. I think that's what Jay Johnson has continued to preach. Uh, he said at one point, uh, today he said at one point Texas had thrown 75 more pitches than them in that game. So they're working wow. the counts, they're pitching well, and uh, I, I I feel, you know, a lot better about them moving forward, just about their patience and uh, seeing Thatcher Hurd play that well. I, I love those kind of games early in the season, packed house, on the road, traditional power who may not be as good as they have been in the past, but still when the number one team comes into the, in the country, comes into your building, you're going to get their best shot. And they did that. And I agree uh, about Hurd, uh, quite a difference between his debut against Southern and then coming back and bouncing back. Um, limited pitch count. Uh, is there something that was wrong with him? Is there uh, an injury concern, or what, what, you know, Skeens is throwing ninety pitches or whatever? Um, what, what's the deal yeah. with her there? Yeah, the, uh, Coach Johnson hasn't mentioned an injury or anything like that. I think they're just trying to work him in uh, as okay. the season goes on. Uh, because you're right. I mean, Skeens is out there throwing plenty. Uh, Shore, Chase Shores um, on Sundays has looked good. Uh, Riley Cooper's, you know, doesn't usually get too high in the pitch counts, but uh, I think they're slowly working Hurd into that position to where he can be probably that Saturday guy, maybe a Sunday guy, depending on what they do yeah. with Chase Shores. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have so many options as far as relief goes. I feel really good about them. I mean, they had in four games, obviously they played four games in three days, uh, or I'm sorry, four games in five days against three different opponents or against um, four different opponents. And they were able to use 14 different pitchers and didn't have to use anybody twice. So Jay Johnson pretty good. was really happy about that um, yeah. today. Yeah, that's never been the uh, uh, the case with LSU. They've they've had haven't had this much depth. There's been some really a lot of great players come through that turnstile at LSU. More and more people are telling me that Dylan Cruz has a chance to be the best one ever. 
ever. That's that's yeah. high. Yeah. That's high talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that was some of the questions coming in was like, is Dylan Cruz really going to about to be the best player to ever come through LSU? You think of all the great names there. I mean, he's gotten off to a great start. He's heading um, uh, five one nine uh, at bat uh, at the yeah. plate. Um, third, fourteen hits. Three doubles already. I mean, it's it's been a really um, diverse attack. I think everybody's done their job. Jared Jones has been really good. Brady Neal's been good. Trey Morgan has was, was slow to start, but has gotten into a rhythm. They're waiting to see yeah. Tommy White bounce back from that injury. Right. Uh, but Dylan Cruz is obviously the head of the snake, leading them in batting average, and uh, he's just a consistent force that this team needs. Wow, pretty good. Um, LSU this weekend, Butler. And Central Connecticut. Okay, uh, we'll move on from that one. I'm going to um, read your Twitter tease here uh, when it concerns LSU football. Quote from Matthew Bruni of um, <laughs> Bengal Tiger on three. From an open competition to Garrett Dellinger to Charles Turner to hosting portal targets. Here are my thoughts on the center position and what's next. That's a very important position. What is next, you think? Yeah, it's um I kind of mentioned in story, but it's an it's an interesting spot they're in because they hosted Jake uh Renfro uh transfer from Cincinnati over the offseason. He eventually went to Wisconsin. They hosted Ja'Kai Clark from Miami, who eventually committed to SMU where his co- former coaches were. Um they have an interior offensive lineman coming to visit this coming week. Uh we'll see how that goes. Um it's felt like they've never really been satisfied with Charles Turner, even though he was awarded the most improved player after the season. The players and coaches talk about how smart he is. I mean, there's a lot to like like about Charles Turner, but it's kind of that thing where in order for this team to continue to improve and to continue to get, try to get where it wants to go, you have to self-evaluate, and Charles Turner is obviously their worst offensive lineman. Um, he didn't grade great. Didn't grade great by PFF. You know, it's, mm-hmm. if you watch the game, sometimes he got blown by. So it is a position where he sets a pretty high floor, but he's not going to help this offensive line and this offense get to where it wants to go as far as the ceiling goes. So um, that's kind of the whole thing with them. I think that was obvious last year when they tried. They, I mean, they tried to have Garrett Dellinger start at center against Florida State. We forget, and that didn't go well. So. Yeah, it's a complicated situation. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get anybody to replace him or if he's just going to be competing with Marlon Martinez for the starting job, but it's definitely a spot that I'm interested in watching. And 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 to your point, we know SEC football. Who's got the best offensive line? Who's got the best defensive line? That's what gets you wins. It's yeah, you got to have everything else. And I'm not downplaying. You got to have a really good quarterback. You got to have, but man, if you don't have the time to run it or to throw it, or you don't put pressure on that quarterback and stop the run up front, then, then you got no shot. Um, and I think LSU, if they can find that that guy, I think they have a chance to have a dynamic offensive line. I really do. Yeah, I mean, especially with Emory Jones and Will Campbell coming back. And we forget Miles Frazier uh, was pretty young last year, too. I believe that was his second year in college. So you have three guys right there. I wanted to mention Garrett Dellinger, who was young. Yeah. So that, you have four guys there who will likely be your four starters at the tackles and guard spots. All seemingly will be better than last year. All should take a step forward in development. And 
So really the only question mark you have is center. And I've said in the story, I don't think Charles Turner will be the singular reason or anything like that why this team won't reach its ceiling. That, that would be ridiculous. But uh, because he does do so many other things well. But mm-hmm. the staff has made it clear in their actions time after time of trying to replace him that they're looking looking around to see if they can improve at that position. So, yeah, like you said, offensive line is so important. I think they have four really, really good returners, um, yeah. even with losing Anthony Bradford. I mean, still have Garrett Dellinger and Miles Frazier, who were basically starters last year when healthy. Um, but the depth and the center position are still – uh, you know, reasonable question marks, even with, you know, some talented freshmen coming in. Yeah, what is the expectation for one of those talented freshmen in Zalen's hurt? He's come out and said, I'm I'm starting yeah. at left tackle. Well, I don't know about that. We're starting somewhere. Um, but what do you think? It'll be interesting because he is a he is a load. He is really, really good, man. Zalen's hurt, a top 15 player in the country, uh, regardless of position, coming out in the class. I mean, five-star guy. Uh, it wouldn't shock me at all, but this—that's the whole point of what last year was. Was Emory Jones and Will Campbell starting at those tackle spots? There's a reason why that hadn't happened at LSU and have ever really. Um, exactly. It's because you never see just gaping holes on the offensive line like they had last year, where they need Emory Jones, who was right. a guard coming out of high school, to yep. play tackle. So ideally, I think if people pencil in the offensive line of the future. It's Will Campbell at left tackle or right tackle, Zalen Turd at the other tackle spot, Emory Jones at guard, uh, you know, and then Dellinger or Frazier at the other guard, and then, you know, fill in the center from there, or maybe one of those can play center. center. But that's kind of how you fans want the offensive line of the future to go, and maybe Zalen Turd can expedite that process, but uh, he's not coming in in the spring. They don't have any of the freshman offensive linemen on campus for a spring ball. No offense to the center from Harvard, uh, but we got to get SEC centers. I'm sorry. No, no, no offense to him. Matthew Bruni with us. Uh, the other position of uh, what's the latest on Mason Smith? How's his uh, rehab coming? What's what, what what's what's his status? Yeah, it's been. Uh, we'll, we'll learn a lot more over the coming weeks, but um, everything we can tell, he's going through workouts. Um, I'm not sure if. Uh, he'll be going through spring. I might have missed that update, but uh, I assume they'll be very light with him, even yeah. if he is. But yeah. uh, there's, a, there's, there's a handful of players that won't be going through uh, spring ball, and that's not going to surprise anybody. But still, I mean, you look at spots like kind of mentioned offensive line, they don't have any freshmen coming in, so that they only have eight healthy bodies to get through, so they're not even going to have a full two deep. Um, and then you go through other, other positions, um, I think – yeah, maybe defensive back. They'll they'll have to in, integrate all of those yeah. uh, newcomers in there. So there's a lot of spots that'll be, you know, question marks. But at least they're not like last year where they're having to introduce themselves and you know get to know the coaches and everything like that. I think defensive secondary is the key. How quickly they can blend and mesh, and how good are they, um, and how many freshmen can help along the way. Uh, I think that's going to be critical. The other big factor question I have: What do you do with Harold Perkins? Whew, that is that. That's the question that everybody's asking right now. Um, I, I don't. I don't think they they play him only at inside linebacker this year. I think he will play some inside linebacker this year, but I think there's going to be packages kind of like last year where they have him 
um, at the Jack spot, at an outside linebacker spot, at the Sam linebacker spot, which is kind of what they called it last year. Uh, with the question marks at Jack, uh, some people are like, just put play him at Jack. I don't think he can play Jack for the full season. I don't really want him to play Jack the full season. So um, I think he'll be sprinkled around. I think there'll be different packages. Um, I think they'll be creative in how they use him and line him up in different spots to kind of make the offense uncomfortable. But you do want him in one of those, like, attacking positions. You don't want him reacting to plays. In case there's someone out there going, what's he talking about, Jack? What, Jack, what do you oh, explain Jack. to them, please? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Jack, uh, linebacker, the outside linebacker position. So where B.J. Ojolari played last year, which is kind of just a stand-up um, yeah. edge rusher. Uh, they rush the passer probably 80% of the time. Uh, the other 20%, they're either dropping in coverage, spying, all that good stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of the opposite of, Ali Gay, who is a traditional, who was a traditional defensive end. Very good. There you go. The 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 nomenclature, Jack. Um, I'm of the belief as well with LSU football. Um, man, they got to get a they got to get some go to wide receivers. I I know they they everybody talks about the depth and oh and this. I just haven't seen it when it counts during games and I've got to, they've got to improve at that position. Do you agree with me on that? I think um, as far as receiver goes, um, they're going to have Brian Thomas and Malik neighbors. I think that'll be the one too. And I think Brian Thomas is going to be uh, able to step up. However, I think there are reasonable questions for Brian Thomas because we've been hyped about him for you know, two years, and he's, yep. his production hasn't quite matched the upside, I don't think. So we're going to need to see him, you know, get that production up. But Malik Neighbors, I think, will have the chance to be a first-round draft pick. So that, that'll that be good. Uh, but you're right. Everybody else outside there has question marks. I just can't hide from that. Chris Hilton, injuries have bitten him. Landon Ibieta missed the whole year last year, basically. Kyron Lacey had the drops against A&M and some other plays. Uh, then you have a bunch of freshmen, Jalen Brown, Shelton Sampson, Kyle Parker. Um, just a lot of question marks, but yeah. also a lot of talent to work with. If Chris Hilton can stay healthy, if you know Jalen Brown can come in at, in the spring and uh, carve his way into um, the position unit as the two deep. Um, so there is talent. Aaron Anderson also uh, one of those players that I'm when I mentioned players missing spring, he's going to miss some time. Right. Uh, the transfer from Alabama, so. There are question marks, but you got to hope Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas can at least give you the one-two punch you need on the outside, uh, and you kind of fill in from there. We shall see. A lot of expectations. LSU going to be ranked uh, preseason number one in the SEC West, in your opinion, or are they going to go with the old favorite of Alabama? I think they're going to go Alabama. I would assume they go Alabama, um, especially coming off a recruiting class. As we know, even though the recruiting classes don't aren't going to – I mean, look at Texas A&M last year, right? They had the number one recruiting class, and it didn't help them enough last year. I think even though those aren't going to help them, I think Alabama getting back to number one in recruiting is probably going to sway a lot of people's opinions of them coming in. So, you know, Nick Saban gets the benefit of the doubt. That's probably how it would go. Matthew Rooney, um, Bengal Tiger on three. That was fun, man. I I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, We'll do it again soon. We got man, spring spring ball March the ninth. We got uh, LSU women's hoops on Friday. We got the men closing things out. Baseball. It's a, you're a busy man, man. Busy man. But thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. 
Yep. Thanks for having me, Jordy. Anytime. All right, buddy. Matthew Bruni, kind enough to join us. Time out. We'll wrap up our number one next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The monster trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome. The toughest monster truck tour returns March 17th and 18th. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has a VIP package to the toughest monster truck tour. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com. A VIP package includes four tickets and access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers on that Friday. The toughest monster truck tour is coming back, and you can win a VIP package courtesy of the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 52 minutes after the hour, LeBron James uh, is expected to be reevaluated in three weeks after the team announced today that he has a tendon injury in his right foot. Remember, the early part was he's going to miss two weeks. Well, now it's three weeks, and that his return could depend on where the Lakers are in the standings after the three-week checkpoint. I looked at the calendar. Three weeks, he's going to miss between 11 and 12 games, 11 and 12. So um, right now, um, the Lakers are 30 and 33. They're 11th in the Western Conference. Seven of their next eight games are against teams fighting for play-in or playoff positioning, including um, next week with New Orleans. So the Pels get a big win over Portland last night. Uh, Brandon Ingram was terrific with 41 uh, and then now they head to Golden State for a Friday matchup. So uh, we shall see. I watched some of the uh, Kevin Durant era uh, with the Phoenix Suns. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. Look out. Look out the rest of the West and the rest of the NBA with him in there. Um, they're about to be a force. And they'll have these 20-something games to get everything right for when the playoffs come around. They're going to be the Western Conference favorites no matter what Denver's doing right now. They're going to be final contenders as well. Um, so they got a 105-91 win over Charlotte, which is, you know, it's not a true test. Charlotte's a bad basketball team even before LaMelo Ball fractured his ankle and he got the worst-looking court in the NBA. It's awful. Um, but for a guy that, Hadn't played since January the 8th with a MCL sprain. He looked incredible. Durant's one of those guys. It doesn't matter. He His game can fit in anywhere with anybody. He just can. Um, he's got to be breathing a sigh of relief. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and now Kevin Durant? Good luck. Good luck. Um and Chris Paul, the one, you know, the guy that is going to be a Hall of Famer who has never really won anything, 
This is his best chance ever. Durant made 10 of his 15 shots, scored 23 points, pulled down six rebounds, blocked two shots, all in under 27 minutes on the floor. Looked like he hadn't missed any time. He's just that good. He is that good. You tell him, go get me 50, he can go get you 50. You tell me, tell him, go get you 25 and uh, get me four or five assists and some steals, he can do that. So um, he's really, really good, and he's going. just kind of shows you uh, the Pelicans have no one. Nobody has anybody like him. Nobody. Need a shot at any seven-footer. Seven-footer can get any shot he wants at any time he wants, anywhere he wants. That's not easy. That is not easy. So seems to be in a really good place. And, um, yeah, and and Devin Booker's got to be going, wow, thank you. He's he's a prolific scorer. But now you get Durant on the court. Now you can't double-team anybody, and he creates, and he's going to get easy, easy shots. So that's what uh, Kevin Durant is to Devin Booker, what Steph Curry has been to Clay Thompson. It's a perfect analogy. So uh, there you go. There you go. Chris Paul had his 11 assists. Same old, same old. It's going to be a really, really good team. Pelicans, um, they got to get Zion back. I don't know if they will or not. I just don't. Can Ingram deliver like that night in and night out? That's asking an awful lot like he did last night at Portland. So lots to be determined. We'll determine some things in hour number two. Chris Roseverglue will join us, the latest from the Saints and the Combine. Frank Schwab will join us from Yahoo Sports. More on the quarterback conundry that is in the NFL. You don't have one. You can't win. Everybody seems to be waiting on that Aaron Rodgers out of the darkness decision. It's all coming your way. Hour number two, the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. We'll be right back. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go on this Thursday, March the 2nd. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Uh, Hour number one, if you missed it, Matthew Bruni joined us. We talked all things LSU, including their... Um, meltdown last night. They lost another hoops game after leading by double digits uh, most of the way. Um, just one of those years. But the uh, uh, we'll move on. The Pelicans get a big win last night in Portland. Um, one of their biggest problems since Zion Williamson got hurt in early January. They've, they just can't score. They ranked 24th in offensive efficiency this year. Um, they reached a new low in the fourth quarter Monday against the Orlando Magic when they were held to a single point in the final four minutes of the game. Um, but against Portland on Wednesday, they showed, eh, we still got a little bit left in the tank. They scored 121 points. Um, in the second half, they had 68 
on 58% shooting. One of the big, big sellers was Willie Green made up, made a change and he put Herb Jones in at the center spot. Um, and so now you open up the floor Jones, uh, one of the worst three point shooters in the NBA this year, um, has regressed even more so this year, but the Pels didn't ask Jones to shoot the ball. They asked Jones to set ball screens and he set those ball screens for Brandon Ingram. Um, and that freed Ingram up. I thought, I don't know how long you can do it. He played the final nine minutes of the game and the Pelicans crushed the trailblazers 31 to 19 in the fourth. So you keep him on the court as a defender, but you put him in a role offensively where you're not asking him to shoot. You ask him to set screens, to move the basketball and it worked. It worked. Um, so big, big win there. Big, big win for, for the Pels. Now they've got uh, golden state. They're in 10th in the, uh, NBA standings, but they're tied with the Utah jazz 31 up 32 down. They're just a half a game out of eighth, one game out of seventh, game and a half out of sixth or fifth. So we'll see. LeBron James is hurt for the Lakers. They got a win last night in Oklahoma City, even though they didn't have LeBron, didn't have Anthony Davis. Um, at, they didn't have their point guard. Uh, but now LeBron's been determined that he's going to be evaluated in three weeks. That's 11 to 12 games before LeBron can play again. Um, we'll see what the Lakers can do without him for that extended period of time. I think their season's over. I don't think they make the play-in, and I don't think LeBron's going to play the rest of the year. If that's the case, if after this three-week period the Lakers are out of it, why would LeBron play anymore? So that's a break for the Pelicans. Um, so, so we shall see. We shall see. Uh, we'll talk a lot about the New Orleans Saints uh, with Chris Roseverglue coming up here in about five minutes. But uh, Alvin Kamara... Um, was in court today in Las Vegas, and he pled not guilty to battery charges stemming from that altercation um, back in January at the Pro Bowl. So his trial date has been set for July 31st, which means there's a good chance he won't be present when the Saints begin practice for the 2023 season. Not definite, but it certainly appears that way. So uh, we'll talk to Chris Roseville. It's a good draft class for running backs. Um, now we'll see if the Saints have somebody on their mind, on their charts uh, for that, because I think they need to upgrade uh, that position. So we'll talk to Chris about that and a number of things. And then Frank Schwab will join us as well from Yahoo Sports uh, as the a lot of teams out there need a quarterback. seems like a lot of teams are waiting to see what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. So we'll talk to Frank Schwab about that. And what's the best place for Derek Carr? And what do the Saints do at the quarterback position? So that's all coming your way. So we'll take our First time out of our number two and be back with Chris Roseverglue. So stay with us.
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway. Cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers, and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we're throwing in a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now. It's the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway. Cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip, and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, they're actually running and jumping and lifting weights at the NFL Combine. The Orleans Saints well represented there, trying to find the guys to improve their team the most. And, of course, meeting with Derek Carr for the second time, I am told. So, Let's bring in our expert, Chris Rosevaglu, does a great job covering the New Orleans Saints. Christopher, good afternoon, my friend. Thanks for uh, thanks for the time today, man. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. Well, it's it's our pleasure. Believe me, you're you're a hit with our audience. That's why we keep on bringing you back, man. I I greatly appreciate it. So, a couple of things here. Um, Alvin Kamara pleads not guilty uh, today in a Las Vegas courtroom. His court date is set for. July, right around the time when training camp starts. What is this leading the Saints? What kind of path are they leading down, particularly at that position? Yeah, I think it's fascinating, right? Because the last month or so, uh, you know, you have the news today uh, with his hearing and his trial pretty much scheduled for July 31st. So that's going to take place during training camp, which is interesting because does that mean Camaro will be away from the team? Certainly possible. Uh, and and also, you know, a couple of videos that came out last month that that obviously don't look good towards right. Alvin's case. Now, I think there's still speculation as to if he gets suspended, how many games is it? I've seen people float out four. I've seen people float out as many as eight. So let's just say we meet in the middle and let's just say it's six regardless I think the smart thing for the Saints would kind of be looking at this roster as if they have no running back on it. And what I mean by that yeah. is, even if Alvin was healthy, who do you have behind him that you really trust, right? Mark Ingram's obviously up there in age, and we kind of saw that age on display last season. David Johnson didn't work for a multitude of reasons. Um, you know, even a couple of years ago, they thought Tony Jones Jr. could develop. That didn't really happen. So, they never really had an RB2 in place ever since, you know, they lost Ingram, brought in Murray, and then Murray got older. So I think for New Orleans, you look at it in a way where I don't think just getting one running back would be enough this offseason. Like, I would love to see them get a younger back through the draft, and they could do that. doesn't matter if it's early. doesn't matter if it's in the middle rounds. There's talent out there, and they can do that. But I think it also would benefit them to add a vet as well and make sure that you go into this season – with three running backs because there's a very good chance your top running back could miss multiple games. And look, when he comes back, everything's gravy, but that's how I would probably approach it. Do you throw a fish, uh, a little line in the water and say, hey, Leonard, 
Leonard Fournette, uh, New Orleans boys, St. Aug, LSU. Come back home. Is that worth a shot? You know, I actually, you know, I was talking about it earlier this week when when he got cut, and I and I thought about it. I, I said the way I look at it is this: if the Saints watched his tape and say, "Hey, there's still something left," you would absolutely put in a call. And I actually do think there is something left. I, I know people will look at his yards per carry at three point five this past season and go, "I don't love that." But we have to remember a lot of turnover on that offensive line. They never really established the run all season, and that's also why they made massive changes to their coaching staff on the offensive side. And despite all that, I said he still finished the year with over eleven hundred scrimmage yards so i think leonard is still a solid vet he's actually gotten better as a pass catcher year by year so yeah i would i would definitely make the call and look if he's out of their price range he's out of your price range but if he is in that price range and that price point that you're willing to spend yeah it doesn't hurt to bring in fournette and and you know while doing that in the process also hurting a division rival all right so um Chris Rose will glue with us. Um, the, the combine's going on. The Saints are there. Dennis Allen met with the media and explained why he thinks Derek Carr possesses all the qualities the Saints need at quarterback. Of course he's going to say that. Are the Saints all in on Derek Carr? Are they out there inquiring about a Jimmy Garoppolo? Are they out there knocking on the door to the Baltimore Ravens and saying, y'all hadn't signed Lamar Jackson yet. What, what, what would it take to get? What do you think they're doing? Yeah, I think right now, and and this is also because the negotiation period hasn't really opened up since until March 13th. I think the Saints are all in on Derek Carr, and and I know that if they were to miss out on Derek Carr, it would be really fascinating because I don't know right now what's the plan because it kind of seems like Derek Carr is their plan A, B, and C, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think you want them to have confidence in the player that they might very well acquire in the next week or so, and we'll kind of see what happens. I'd imagine that Derek Carr will make a decision fairly soon, but. Um, yeah, it, they are. And and what I find really interesting is out of the three teams linked to him, two out of the three actually have been linked to Aaron Rodgers. Jets obviously been linked to Aaron Rodgers from the from the jump. And then it came out earlier today from uh, Adam Schefter that, you know, the Packers actually received a call from the Panthers. Now, I don't anticipate the Panthers acquiring Aaron Rodgers. Who knows what he's doing next year? But it is fascinating that the other two teams have kind of showed interest in other options and the Saints have made it adamant they want Derek Carr they view him as not just an option for 2023 but the season's beyond that and we'll see if that pays out for them I I think if they were to acquire him people be a little surprised that the contract wouldn't be maybe as lucrative as we anticipated a couple weeks ago Uh, but they got to finish the deal here we'll see if they could do that is Derek Carr holding out because because he thinks he can make more money once Aaron Rodgers makes his decision he becomes more of a a viable chip than ever before? You know, I think the reason he is holding out is because, you know, it always comes back to when free agency opens. And I think for him, uh, look, he's ahead of the game, right? He's ahead of Rodgers. He's ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of he can all do this now. And there's no tampering. There's nothing wrong with it. He's going to the, he obviously went to the combine, as we just mentioned. And that gives him the advantage. So why wait? I think there's that kind of reason, because let's say Aaron Rodgers did want out. And let's say Aaron Rodgers ended up on the Raiders. You don't think that the Jets would all of a sudden be like, all right, now we got to make an, an even yeah. more ambitious offer to make yes. sure that we get Derek Carr and he Absolutely. doesn't go to the Saints. And there also is that very slight opportunity here where if you're Derek Carr, you wait a couple of days, 
crazier things have happened in the NFL. What if another team joins the mix and just that by that team joining the mix, let's say a team like Washington just jumped into the fray. What if the Saints said, okay, we're going to up our offer by 2 million plus per year than we already did. And then he gets a little bit more security and a little bit more money out of it just by being patient. So I don't, I don't think it hurts him. I don't think the offers he got right now are going to go anywhere. Um, And if anything, maybe they get a little bit better. So that's why he's waiting. I asked this before. I'll ask you, was the biggest, stain on the Sean Payton resume as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, the fact that he didn't have a backup plan for Drew Brees. I know he tried Pat Mahomes. I know that was in the Kane plan. That didn't work. But after that, I didn't hear anything prior to or after as like a secession plan. It's a really fascinating argument because I think if, you know, the one thing I hear Saints fans always talk about with Sean Payton is we love him, but man, you know, he leaves and we don't know what we're doing at quarterback. And, and I think that's a fair argument. My counter argument to that would be, though, had the Saints just won one of those Super Bowls in that little run they had from 2017 to 2020, yeah. uh, I, I imagine a lot of Saints fans, look, some would still care, but a lot of them be like, man, we got two Super Bowls out of that Drew Brees Good run. Point. And you kind of just you just swallow your pride. You 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 take a couple of lumps and you have a couple bad years till you rebuild. Um, and I think the Saints were just all in there and they kind of lost sight of everything else. And uh, on one hand, you could say that's bad management, but on the other, look how close they were. I mean, a a, a miracle play there, a missed call there, um, you know, a fumble by Jared Cook against the ball. I, there were so many moments where yeah. I understand why they were all in. I think that's where they kind of lost sight of things. Conspiracy theorists say Peyton got out of the business because he saw the writing on the wall for the Saints and it was going to be bleak and he didn't want to damage his reputation. True? False? um, You know, I think it's one of those where I'll I'll say that I don't want to say it's true, but it definitely does help for him to take the year off when he took it off because this would have been another struggling year for him, right? In the sense that, you know, Winston got hurt. Then you're really just trying to squeeze every last drop out of Andy Dalton's career that you can. And that's a lot of work. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that's why he left. He was absolutely burnt out. The the last five years of his career with the Saints were exhausting. But, you know, when you hear that he was linked to Miami, possibly going with Brady and you hear that Russell Wilson wanted him from last February, you know, and, and was thinking about getting Seattle to change their coaching staff there. It makes you wonder just a tad that, you know, was he tired of coaching or was he tired of the Saints? And, and I think that there's, there's arguments that will be made for both sides. But yeah, yeah. Um, either way, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, if the Saints were to land Derek Carr, man, I would have been fascinated to know how it would have played out with Sean as the coach. But uh, obviously that won't be the case. Yeah. Um, God, what percentage odds do you give? Let's say Derek. Let's say Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay and Derek Carr goes to goes to the Jets. Um, there's a lot of teams that need. I mean, the Raiders need a quarterback. Saints need a quarterback. Carolina needs a quarterback. Uh, you got all these teams high in the draft. They're gonna they're gonna go with rookie quarterbacks. What odds do you give that they run it back with Andy Dalton? Um, pretty good. I, I probably would say it's, it's closer to 50% than fans would wow. like it. And I, and I think the only other guy that they would probably entertain, and I, I don't know what they'd be willing to pay for him is maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. But the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is if you were to get him, you better make sure you also bring back Andy Dalton because history has told us that Jimmy yes. Garoppolo misses a lot of time due to yes. injuries. And yes. That's where, you know, there are knocks in Derek Carr, but that's not one of them. He's almost always on the field. So um, I, I do think that Dalton, if they were to miss out on Derek Carr, I think that getting him, maybe moving up and getting a quarterback in the draft, that that might be the best plan for them. But uh, it's really bleak. And, and that's why, you know, you try to put all your chips in on this Derek Carr thing, even though he isn't considered an elite quarterback because right. – if you do miss out on him, 
man, I, where do you go? Because you are, you are kicking the can down the road cap space wise because you're still trying to win, but you don't know if you trust your quarterback to get you there. It it could get messy. So um, for for Saints fans' sakes, let's just kind of hope that they can seal the deal here. Let, let's say money's the same. All right, let's weigh and evaluate Derek Carr to Carolina, Derek Carr to the Saints. What's the better fit? And take your take your black and gold shades off. What does Carolina have to offer that is better than the Saints? I think Carolina, from just a young talent on defense, uh, defensive standpoint, I think there is intrigue there. Uh, you know, a lot of their young playmakers defensively, Brian Burns, J.C. Horn, uh, Jeremy Chin, just all younger players that will continue to get better. And I think that's intriguing offensively, though. Uh, I don't think it's that much of a difference. The big difference would be head coach, right? Who does he think he's a better fit with? And I know that a lot of people like Frank Reich. I, I am a big fan of Frank Reich, and I think that the, the, a marriage between him and Carr could be interesting. But you look at their offense. Yes, DJ Moore is very talented. But outside of him, they're still lacking weapons there. Obviously, no Christian McCaffrey anymore since they traded him. Uh, you look over the Saints. Uh, offense kind of similar. I think Chris Olave is going to take that next step. Rashid Shahid obviously could take that next step. I, I think it comes down to this, and this is where, if I'm Derek Carr, this is where the decision, the decision will be made. Would you rather be with an offensive-minded head coach like Frank Reich, or would you be more intrigued by going to a team with a defensive-minded coach in Dennis Allen who kind of, for better or worse, showed Derek Carr his biggest flaws this past season? And maybe, in hindsight, Derek Carr could actually learn from that because there could be lessons to be learned from sitting with Dennis Allen and Dennis Allen showing him, hey, this is what we kind of exploited when we played the Raiders last season. And these are things, if you could take out of your game, maybe you can get to that next level. So I think that might be an interesting sales pitch there, but... Um, you know, I think if the goal is to win 2023, I do think the Saints have more pieces to win right now. Uh, if the goal is to win past 2023 and, and Derek Carr's kind of playing the long game, yeah, then I probably would pick the Panthers. But it's all a preference thing. And um, either way, if I'm him, I'm, I'm going to the NFC. Yeah, there wouldn't be a doubt in my mind about that. Despite ranking um, 19th in total offense and 22nd in scoring offense, the worst statistical finish for the Saints since before Drew Brees got there. Um, at the Combine, Dennis Allen explained why he is sticking with public enemy number one to a lot of Saints fans, Pete Carmichael, as his offensive uh, play caller. And he said, just go back and look at his track record. What do you say to that? You know, I think it's it's one of those quotes where he's technically not like he's not wrong. Like Pete Carmichael has had success with the Saints. And again, it was probably the most frustrating part of this season. I thought there were moments where Pete Carmichael did get the offense moving and they just stalled. And whether it was settling for field goals, whether it was coming up short in the red zone, uh, those are issues that, yes, if you give him another year, maybe he corrects it. Uh, I think the bigger reason why the Saints probably did not make a change, and it, and it actually is, uh, I wouldn't say smart, but it is something that uh, I will kind of cut them slack on, is there were 16 changes at offensive coordinator this offseason, and, and there's still changes to be made across the league. Wow. Teams were making so many that if I am a guy on the market and I'm looking for an OC job, I don't know if I'm putting the Saints towards the top of that list because you got to look at the jobs that opened up. I, I mean, 
think about uh, the, the LH Chargers job. You know, would you rather coach Justin Herbert? Would you rather coach the Saints? And, and guess what? You don't know who that quarterback's going to be. So th- there's a struggle there. Even the Ravens, right? There is no guarantee Lamar's back. But even the thought of, hey, they could franchise the tag him and I could have Lamar for one year. And if an OC does wonders with Lamar for one season, that might be enough to kind of catapult to a head coaching job. So uh, I do think that the Saints would have kind of fell towards the bottom of that totem pole. And, and, and for those reasons, um, hey, bring Pete back. And if this does not work, and, and it, it might not, who knows, um, then you reassess next offseason and maybe there's more than one change that has to be made. But I, I do think that there is a little bit of a, there is some method to the madness there where if they get improved quarterback play, they can get another target in the red zone and man, they could just stop settling for field goals and actually turning that into the seven. I, I think people will get off Pete Carmichael's back a little okay. bit more than they were this year. Let's let's have paint the rosiest of pictures. The Saints get Derek Carr and they keep their pick in the first round at number 29. Where do they go with that? What would you like to see the Saints do at number 29? Well, if they don't end up, I, th- I think, you know, defensively, they still need a, another defensive lineman. So I think that's probably where I would go. And I know that's not the conventional pick. And, and you know, they have gone with Davenport and Peyton Turner and those picks haven't worked. But if there's a defensive lineman there they like, I would be all for them kind of improving that unit. The the maybe the most exciting idea would be if they do get Derek Carr and then they are able to draft either a B. John Robinson or maybe a Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, because then all of a sudden you have more offensive pieces in play and you can start talking about, all right, we know they're good enough to win the division. Are they good enough now to win a playoff game? And, and once you win a playoff game, you can get things to start rolling in the right direction and you never know once you enter the big dance. So I think that would be kind of the the intriguing scenario for the Saints. And if they don't end up signing a running back before the draft, I think that would kind of be their way of tipping their hand that like, hey, we're going to get a young running back at some point, whether it's pick 29, pick 40, maybe even pick 70. Yeah. But I, I think defensive line and running back, regardless of what happens at quarterback, are probably the picks that I'm looking at in the first round. But if you were to get Derek Carr, it only heightens that. And, and maybe it even adds a little bit more motive that if there is a guy that they like, maybe they do like B. John Robinson and he's sitting a couple of picks ahead. Maybe they make a, a little bit of a move to avoid him falling to someone else. But uh, that would probably be the most exciting scenario for Saints fans. No way the Raiders let Josh Jacobs go, do they? That dude can play. He he's phenomenal. And I, I would say no way. And, and he seems like the perfect franchise tag candidate because yeah. he did just have his breakout season and right. you can kind of save yourself by doing that. But the Raiders also let Derek Carr go. And I don't think they have a clear plan at who's going to replace him. So you never know with a team like that. And, and that's why I won't rule anything out. What I would find fascinating, and this is not someone that I think is in the Saints budget. I do think Saquon Barkley is going to hit the open market. I think the Giants are going to be forced to tag Daniel Jones and who knows what that leads to? That could lead wow. to, you know, some craze. And maybe while teams are, are bidding for Saquon Barkley, the Saints can find some nice uh, veteran wow. running backs out there on free agency to add to their roster. But I would that would might that might be the name that hits the open market that people start gushing over. Wow. I imagine the Raiders tag Jacobs, though. Yeah. Uh boy, I'd love Josh Jacobs. He's ooh, he's good. All right, Chris Rose for glue. Um it is interesting. Everything's waiting on that one domino. What's what's the darkness guy going to do? <laughs> and where is he going to go? Thank you, as always, man. That was terrific. Always fun talking with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jordy. You're the best. Chris Rose for Glue, talking New Orleans Saints. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
We're brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. The premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. By the Louisiana Lottery. You can't win until you start playing by DC's Little Capital Exxon with their True Soul Food Deli. It's the absolute best cheeseburger you'll ever taste. And by Cajun Chef. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. Download the free Game Mobile app from either Android or Apple services so you can take the Blonde Bomber with you always. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. All right, welcome back. 35 minutes after the hour. Always a treat when we get uh, our next guest, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, all things uh, NFL and others as well. Uh, kind enough to join us. Hey, Frank, good afternoon, sir. Hey, what's going on? Uh, the NFL Combine's going on. Um, several questions here. That The, the Jalen Carter news, it came out Wednesday. Um, significant impact on his draft stock? No impact on his draft stock? What? Do you, uh, wait until we see what happens? What, what, what do you think? My guess is not much impact at all. Uh, I mean, unless there's something more to come. But I don't know. Like, it's – I don't think we know all the facts yet. We're still kind of in that phase of trying to sort out what what's really happened, how much trouble he's in, what he did, where what his role was, anything. So, but as of, as of the moment, as of what we know – if there's nothing more, I kind of assume he's going to get drafted where he's going to get drafted. I mean, it, it's not like I don't think anyway that he's in danger of being suspended or going to jail or anything like that. So, I mean, from the, 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 you know, the basics that everybody else knows of this case, I, I just don't imagine, I mean, that, that he's going to drop too much in the draft. I mean, this is probably the best player in the draft. I mean, it's right. just sure who is the best player in the 2023 NFL draft. Uh, Maybe Will Anderson, maybe even you love Bryce Young. I, I can live with that. But if you said Jalen Carter's the, just the best player, regardless of position in the draft, I'd have a hard time disagreeing with you. I'm with you. Um, the quarterback position, uh, you know, everybody can nitpick and do this. And, and you're, you're on the right. You, you, you thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be a great pro. And after he got the right coach, it looks like he is heading in that direction. When you look at Bryce Young, um, small in stature, which doesn't bother me. Um, what do you see in Bryce Young and what do you project his future to be? I think if he was. Six five two thirty. I mean, he'd be one of the generational prospects. I he does everything well. He's a really really good football player. I think the only question about him is his size. He's a like you said. He's he's small for that position, and not like you can't overcome that. You know, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, but he's not just short. He's all he's not a, he's not a big guy. I mean, his, mm-hmm. this is just the truth. I like him. I think he's a good player. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I I think he's good enough. His tape is good enough, and all that, where you would say, you know, we're just gonna gamble a little bit on the size because everything else is in place. I really truly believe that. So I give your team like the Texans, like the Colts, whoever wants to move up, because I think the Bears are gonna move down. I I just I'd be shocked okay. if the Bears just stayed at one and took a pick. Well, why would you? Um, 
So I think whoever does go up to number one, and presumably for Bryce Young, they're getting a heck of a football player, and you just got to kind of cross your fingers and hope he stays healthy most of his career. I mean, one of the reasons Trevor Lawrence was this generational prospect is he was six five, two twenty five, whatever. I can't remember his measurables, but he's a big kid. Big Bryce kid. Young's not, so it's a little scary to take a quarterback. Uh, of that stature, knowing that you know injury is probably going to be a part of his you know football story. How much credence do you give, like like a Will Levis from Kentucky, big six three two thirty, uh, looks Josh Allen esque like, but didn't have the same numbers or the same results. How much do you put on a quarterback with what he is surrounded by? Kentucky wasn't the greatest, didn't have yeah. the greatest offensive line, didn't have the greatest skill position people. But you bring him in the NFL with these types of players that you can put around him. Does Will Levis's stock go up under that pretense? It probably does, and I mean, I, I just feel like we're in for about twenty years of every single size arm guy being compared to Josh Allen. Where yeah. I mean, Josh Allen was wasn't even first or second team All Mountain West his last college season. He was yeah. honorable yeah. mention behind like Brett Rippin and somebody else. Uh, but he put in the work, got with the right coach of Brian Dayball. Bill's really put in a good support system around him. He he improved. He got a lot better. But he's kind of the the, the outlier that way. I mean, most guys who uh, you know have his flaws coming out uh, inaccuracy and whatnot, they don't develop as in the MVP candidates like Josh Allen has. So yeah. I wonder if teams are going to chase it for a really long time and make a lot of mistakes that way. I'm not saying Will Levis can't be a good player. He's got a lot of tools, and you like that, right? But you like to marry that with some really good college tape, too. I, I just yeah. think we're going to see a lot of teams taking blind faith, hey, this guy's the next Josh Allen, when Josh Allen's pretty rare, uh, what he's been able to do. So yeah. we'll see. I, I And again, I'm not trying to downgrade Will Levis. He could be a, a heck of a player. He brings a lot to the table. But I don't. I just don't know that necessarily that's a road you want to keep going down if you're NFL teams. I'm with you. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Okay, uh, we've gone about five minutes, and I haven't asked, but I'm going to ask now. He's out of the darkness. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he says, if you think I'm a diva, just ignore it. So I'm ignoring it because I do believe he's a diva. <laughs> Um, the clock is ticking here. Sum it up for me, please. I, I don't even know anymore. I mean, he's just, I, he had the quote in there of like, I'm not trying to drag this thing out. Like, what are you talking about? You drag it out every yeah. year. Like, it's yes. kind of who you yes. become. Like, uh, we, yes. we fooling with that. I don't know. I, I just, it's, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen. And there's, you know what? There's, there's a chance of, Aaron Rodgers saying, okay, Green Bay, I want to come back and play for you. Green Bay being like, eh, well, I don't know, Aaron. Let's talk about this. Yes. I just don't know. I don't know where this thing is going to go. I, I keep thinking that a trade makes a lot of sense, but, boy, it's going to be hard for – I don't think Aaron Rodgers is retiring. I think that's one thing I feel confident I agree. About, he's not retiring. He's going to play. Then it's just a, a matter of does he want to play for the Packers, and if the answer is yes, do the Packers want him back? And – I just don't know the answer. I I spent this whole offseason kind of talking myself into the right move is for the Packers to trade him. It really is. Like, when you really dig down to the situation, Jordan Love, the clock ticking with him, Rodgers being 39 at an age when, you know, you could see a severe fall, 
the Jets being desperate enough to give you the kind of draft pick compensation where you'd feel pretty good about getting that return on the 39-year-old quarterback. I just think it makes too much sense for the Packers to trade him, but it's hard to give up on an Aaron Rodgers. It's hard to just say that you've won four MVPs, you've played some of the greatest quarterback play the NFL's ever seen by. We'll see. Uh, I just, it's hard. It's got to be hard. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you don't know what Jordan Love is. Jordan Love might not be very good. I, I don't know what he is. Uh, so, I just don't right. know. I wish I, I wish I had a better guess. I wish I was like, I, I feel, feel like this is going to happen. But I feel when when you're dealing with all these moving parts and everybody's so unpredictable, I just don't know. I don't know how this story ends up. I if I had to guess, I'd say Aaron Rodgers ends up with the Jets. I really would. Like I think that's my most likely scenario. But to be honest, I have no idea at this point. Everybody talks about the Jets. Um, Vegas needs a quarterback. He's got his five favorite wide receiver there. They got a quarterback coach coaching the team. Uh, why is Vegas not appealing? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it would be. But I think the one, I mean, maybe, I don't know how much Aaron's really going to be able to dictate where he goes. The one thing would be, do you want to go into a division with Patrick Mahomes? I mean, he's yeah. just, <laughs> boy, you're, yeah. you're stuck there. Not that it's yeah. any prize in the AFC East either. That's tough. Um, a team that nobody, I saw somebody mention this, and I've thought about it too. A Miami? team that nobody really talks about is Tampa Bay. Yeah. Tampa, Tampa Bay, and, and you know, no offense to your Saints, the NFC South stinks. Tampa yep. Bay still has a lot of good players. Uh, yeah, they've had to get, let go of a few because salary cap reasons. They kind of built that way. But let's say, let's just drop Aaron Rodgers onto the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the 2023 season. Can't they win that division, go to the playoffs, be a pretty good factor in a weak <laughs> NFC? Like, I, I don't know. Like, why? The football. I, yeah, I think maybe right. we're, we are getting too caught up on this whole Jets scenario because of Hackett yeah. and the obvious fit, where there are other teams where you could say, yeah, if Aaron Rodgers goes there, they'd be pretty darn good this season. The football gods aren't going to allow Tampa Bay to get Tom Brady and then go get Aaron Rodgers. Come on, we can't have that. <laughs> that would be what has anything like that ever happened before? Two like legends back to back like that. I, I can't honestly remember a situation like that. But that would be crazy from just going from Brady to Rodgers. Like that. That I don't be, think that's going that, to happen. That I don't know be. that the Buccaneers really have the cap for it. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a team that that. If you can land a veteran quarterback, you'd be pretty good right away. The Buccaneers should be on that list. We don't talk about them much. Derek Carr is at the Combine. Uh, Why in the first place? And number two, he's kind of playing a waiting game. I guess he's waiting for Aaron Rodgers to make a decision. And then that if he decides to stay in Green Bay, then that ups the ante. Now the Jets and the Saints and the Panthers and become really, really um, – nervous and they up the price is that is that the logic here i think it's yeah i absolutely agree and i if i'm Derek Carr, that's what i do too to me anyway we talked about the jets a little bit i think that they're the one team that if they get the right quarterback they could be a super bowl contender and i think Derek Carr knows that Derek Carr's a pretty smart guy so but i think the jets are saying you know what Derek, you're a good quarterback we would like to have you but we want to see this Aaron Rodgers thing through. There's yes. a reason they hired Nathaniel Hackett to be their offensive coordinator. Yes. And it's yes. not because Hackett was an offensive genius last year at the Broncos. Let me tell you that. So right. if you're the Jet, you have to wait for this domino to fall. If you're the Jets, if you're Derek Carr, if Aaron Rodgers says, no, I'm going back to the Packers, and the Packers say, okay, that sounds good, we'll have you back, then all of a sudden if I'm the Jets, I am. you're right, the price does go up because he's 
pretty much the last guy in that tier that you'd really like. You'd really feel comfortable adding him at a high price. Uh, so I think I think it would be advantageous to Carr if he could go to the Jets, not just for the money, but for his career. I, I don't. I just don't think he becomes a great quarterback with the Saints in the second chapter of his career and wins the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Maybe, but I don't foresee that. I think his best chance to kind of establish his legacy, win a championship, would be with the New And, yeah, but he's got to wait for Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I just think if I'm Derek, to sign with the Saints today, and then all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers says he's going back to the Packers tomorrow, and the right. Jets are like, you know, I mean, you know, scrambling a quarterback when you could have gone there. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. What does that tell you? I consider Derek Carr a a better than average quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback by any stretch. I think he's a good quarterback, but every team in the world's going to want him because they don't have a better than average quarterback. It's crazy. Absolutely right. I mean, it is. You you start to play the game of musical chairs at quarterback, and. There's not enough quality quarterbacks to go around. There's just not. There's going to be a team no. or two, maybe three, four, that we're looking up at the end of this whole carousel that's going to happen about two weeks from now. And we say, who's their quarterback? Really, Kyle yeah. Trask is going to be their quarterback or you know, whatever. And there's going to be some teams just strike out at quarterback because there's just not enough quality options to go around. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's one of them, but he's not exciting, really. Carl, like you said, mm-hmm. he's average to above average. He's 14th best quarterback in the league. You know, I mean, what, about that area. Like, yeah. is that something you're yeah. really clamoring for? Well, probably not. But when your options are, well, yes. okay, maybe we could go get your Kobe Brissett. I, I mean, he's, he's kind of the bell of the ball right now because he's he's out there and he's available. When they're slim and numb, you you go for go for slim. And I keep telling yeah. Saints fans, I keep saying, don't be surprised if the Saints ha- have to run it back with Andy Dalton. Yeah. Yeah, the Saints absolutely could be one of those teams where we're looking up, saying uh, it just they they couldn't land anybody. They you know they nobody really wanted to go there, and there weren't enough quality right. options. And yeah, it could be a Andy Dalton thing, or again, Jacoby Brissett is out there, Baker Mayfield, yeah, you know, guys who you really would not feel very good about. But Ooh. you know, I mean, if you're not in position to draft somebody and start that way, the, the veteran options out there are just not appealing. I don't know. Maybe somebody emerges in the trade market, Ray Lance or somebody. I don't even know. It's going to be very interesting to see how this whole thing. That's Honestly, that's part of the reason I'm really surprised the Raiders moved on from Derek Carr so quickly because yes. the Raiders could be one of these teams. The Raiders could be starting Jared Stidham next year, for all we know. Oof. I mean, it, we, there's Oof. just no great options out there. And so for the Raiders to be like, nah, we're done with Derek Carr because he wasn't good enough in the system. Okay, that, that's great. Better have plan B because it, you could end up with a really a much, much worse quarterback situation. The people that are scared the most are those those people whose job it is to market teams to try to sell tickets and they make a commission on what they sell and your team has no quarterback. Good luck selling yeah. tickets in that regard. Oh, it's crazy. Anyway. We're up against the clock, Frank. We'll we'll see. Uh, the diva will decide soon, and then all the dominoes will fall into play, and we'll go from there. Thank you, my friend. It's always great. Absolutely, Jordy. Appreciate it. You're the best. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Back with a couple of birthday wishes for a pair of birthday quarterbacks next.
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the game charity golf scramble benefiting Redbird Ministries, sponsored by Courtesy Brobridge. Hit the links at Farm to Alley while supporting a great cause. All proceeds from the tournament will go towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who've been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game and courtesy Brobridge. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, 54 minutes after the hour. They call it March Madness for a reason already. The Women's Basketball Tournament. How about a number 13 seed? Who won only two games in the in the conference, upsetting a five seed? Well, that's what happened. Texas A and M beats Mississippi State seventy nine to seventy two. Before them, Arkansas, an eight seed, beat ninth seeded Missouri eighty five seventy four. All LSU fans will be alert and watching the five o'clock tip between tenth seeded Auburn and seventh seeded Georgia because tomorrow. Uh, at five o'clock, LSU will await the winner of that one. So the madness hath begun. Yes, indeed. Um, if today, March 2nd, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with, he's 25 years old today. We wish him nothing but the best. Too many concussions. I don't know what the future for him is in Miami, but Tua Tagovailoa is 25 years old today. And I'll never forget, LSU was playing a team called Miami of Ohio. And I asked Nick Saban, I said, what are they, come on, what, what do they have? He said, you watch. They got a quarterback who's going to play in the league for umpteen years. Happy 41st birthday to Ben Roethlisberger. Nick was, uh, one thing about Nick, he knows talent. He, he knows it and he gets it. So, Ben Roethlisberger, 41 years old today. Um, thanks to our guest today, Matthew Bruni from BengalTigerOn3.com, who's going to be the starting center for LSU football, the, the defensive backfield. What do you do with Harold Perkins? Lots of things to question. And where will LSU be ranked in the hierarchy? Is it going to be Alabama again? They don't, have a, they don't know who their quarterback is. They don't have that star wide receiver, that star running back. But it's Saban. And you know they're going to be good. So we'll lots to talk about as spring practice begins on March the 9th. Chris Roseverglue, Saints at quarterback, Carolina at quarterback, Vegas at quarterback, the Jets at quarterback, the Packers at quarterback. So many teams, the Colts, the Texans, so many teams need a quarterback. So many. That's why if you got one, be thankful. So we talk with that. And then Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports as well. Um, what is... Aaron Rodgers going to do. James Mesh, thank you so much for all you do. Tomorrow, Friday, we'll have Larry Holder in. We'll have 
uh, George Faustin, George Becknell, and I will pick something. I can promise you that. We'll preview the women's hoops game, preview the LSU baseball series, and much, much more. Thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion that you do. And thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Until tomorrow, God willing, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friend. Do everything. I'm telling you, health is everything. So take care of yourself. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Life is short. We'll talk tomorrow. So long, everybody. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh next.